Hey, welcome to Conversations with my dear friend, Jeff Conway. My name is Susan. This is A Different Kind of Walk. Yeah, are you still feeling up to talking about Nazareth or whatever? So, yeah, I mean, do you want to do that? Do you want to ruin everybody's Christmas with me? Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, uh, you know, my I, I need your help here a little bit. I, I, I can tell you about Nazareth and I can tell you about uh, Bethlehem. Okay. Uh, and some things in between there, just some factual things. So I always loved to say last Sunday, which was the first Sunday of Advent to the church, Happy New Year. And um, everybody kind of looked at me like, what? Um, I mean, for a number, it took a number of years for people to catch on that. I was going to say Happy New Year at the first Sunday of Advent because in the liturgical calendar that takes us through um, the account of redemption through Jesus Christ leading up to his birth, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the growth. So Advent is the beginning of the year of the liturgical calendar. So. Um, Happy New Year to you, Susan. Yeah, Happy New Year. <laughs> so from your experiences being there, um, I feel like we're going to run through a few factoids about um, the journey that Jesus's parents went on, uh, the birth scene, the nativity. Uh, so are you, you ready to ruin, ruin Christmas for everybody? Yeah. So the first thing is, you know, he probably wasn't born on December 25th, but... Um, was probably closer in springtime, but um, uh, that, you know, that, that doesn't matter because we don't know the date and we don't, there's no way that we can know the date, but um, um, it, it makes some more sense um, uh, for traveling for the census that it wouldn't happen in the middle of winter and, and, and various other things there. But um so, so Nather, Nazareth is this interesting town. It's a bustling town now uh, that's kind of up in the hills, almost a cliffy type area above the Jezreel Valley. And that the Jezreel Valley is all through the Old Testament. It's this big, huge open valley that goes out to the Mediterranean Sea. Um, uh, what's pretty neat is early on in uh, the 300s, they knew where the village of Nazareth was. It was probably 150 people. And scripture in Matthew uh, tells us, and Mark, that uh, the Messiah was going to be a Nazarene, a person from Nazareth. But it also tells us the Messiah was going to be born in Bethlehem. So kind of confusing in that way. So it's interesting that when the census is called and you have to go to your place where you own property and where your family is from, Joseph has to go to Bethlehem. So you can imagine how did Joseph end up in 
Nazareth. So one of the theories that's there is that Herod the Great was building the Herodian at the time, mm. which was, um, you know, he was so full of himself. He wanted his palace overlooking Jerusalem. So Jerusalem and then six miles ish south is Bethlehem. And another two or three miles south of that is where the Herodium is. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's on two hills together, mm -hmm. but he built it on one. Uh, so he had people shovel off the top where a lot of builders, um, we often hear the word carpenter and just think of woodworking or something that there wasn't a lot of wood. Mm -hmm. um uh but builders um would be conscripted and uh taken away and you have to go help build this mm -hmm. so one of the theories of why joseph would have left bethlehem was because he did not want to build for a king that he did not think was a righteous king who was not a righteous king so that's just, you know, an interesting story, you know, to this very day. And when Gary was there a few years ago, you would have seen it. You mm -hmm. can look from Bethlehem and see this flattened off hill mm. and this hill that has the remains of the Herodian there. But uh, so, I mean, you have to think about 150 people and hear this young girl speaks to God through the angel. Uh, and I mean, she was obviously pregnant before she was engaged, but she wasn't married. So then the journey they probably would have taken uh, for the census would have been along uh, the road through Samaria, which good Jewish people didn't want to have anything to do with Samaritans. Uh, so that was always interesting. But then Bethlehem, uh, I love that the Romans didn't want any markers of Jesus anywhere. So in their great wisdom, they cut down a lot of the trees that were there and put up a statue of Jupiter. Mm -hmm. So when Constantine's mother, Helena, came on her trip in the in the 300s to try and find the biblical sites. It's kind of like um, what's right over there, <laughs> where the Romans put the statue of Jupiter up. So, in trying to hide this birthplace of Jesus, they actually marked it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, Bethlehem grew by that point from being a small village, probably more around two to three hundred, bigger than Nazareth, but still small and you know we have the pageants that happen all over the world that the little innkeeper says there's no room at the inn and they shut the door and you know um they finally find somebody who says okay you can go have a baby in a stable uh, the reality is most of these villages were families mm -hmm. So they were all connected. 
so more than likely, first of all, the village would have been too small to have an inn. It wouldn't have had a hotel. <laughs> would not have had a hotel. And so there's no room at the inn. Is actually there's no room in the extra room where is Kataluma. So a house would have been a one-room house uh, with a partial wall where they kept grain. And then behind that wall, they stored things that they needed for, you know, the different seasons of life. Mm -hmm. So the Kataluma was that place behind that grain storage. Mm -hmm. So we don't have any room in that extra room there. Uh, But you can go to the stable. So you have the cute little stable scene, you know, that people have all over their houses. In Bethlehem, because it was so rocky and hilly, people built their houses on top of caves. Mm. And they did that on purpose so that they could cut into the stone stairs that would go down to the cave so the animals would go underneath. So in the winter, the animals helped heat the house. Because heat rises. Um, Heat rises off the animals was they heated the house but they also you know made the house really smelly probably (laughs) so we're talking primitive for everyone Mm -hmm. um so don't have this cute in in your image when you think about joseph and mary making this journey and don't have this image of an innkeeper but have an image of a family member who probably already knew Mary was pregnant before the actual wedding would have happened. So -hmm. there would have been judgment going on at that point already also. Um, So what they were walking into was uh, the judgment of you don't belong here. And just, I mean, all those kind of things were going on in that part of the journey. And I don't say that to ruin, you know, the Christmas scenes that people put up. I say that because it's reality and it doesn't make the journey to Christmas, the journey to Jesus, a story Mm -hmm. or a fable or a tale it makes it real. Yeah, it makes it real life, something you can relate to. And the power of that and what they went through when you think about it, um, and you've had two children, I've had four kidney stones, so I know just as well (laughs) as you. (laughs) Just imagine the journey at that part of pregnancy, going, having to go down there. And do you think it was dark? In the cave? Oh, I've I've been in a house exactly like a Bethlehem house. Mm-hmm. Yes, 100%. Okay. So, I mean, it would have needed fire for light. Okay. So, I'm sure there was some kind of fire. Uh, but about an hour, half an hour north of Jerusalem, there's a house that's about 2,000 years old that's built on a cave. 
that archaeologists would say this would be really similar to the kind of houses that would have been in Bethlehem at the time. Mm. So um, to walk down there, to have to duck to get down there, to realize how small it is. And, you know, who knows how many animals they had in there, but they certainly had enough. They weren't talking donkeys and talking sheep like like the cute movies. But, I mean, it was real. It was dirty. It was dangerous traveling. It was dangerous asking relatives who judge you that you've done something wrong, that she was pregnant before the actual marriage happened. It was a homeless family walking up to the Ritz Hotel and the Ritz giving them the place where they keep their garbage Mm. to say, go down there and have your baby. Um, So when you talk about this humbling act of God, God's self coming to begin the fullness of the story of redemption in such a lowly way, instead of the way that most people think of kings coming and certainly the way most faithful Hebrew people were thinking their king, their Messiah. They were, they were ready for David to come back. Um, This king that would unite in a very different way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it would, you know, overpower the Romans and get rid of them and, they would, you know, they just had a very different image. And God comes with humility and love and gentleness. And that makes Advent uh, more powerful for me. And that makes the Christmas Eve service so dramatic for me. Wow, the drama of living out worship beginning this calendar, this liturgical calendar in Advent, and what joy it is on at midnight. And, you know, my habit since my walling for days in the 80s is to come home from the midnight mass that we had and turn on the TV and watch the midnight mass. It was taped. Mm-hmm. But uh, the midnight mass in Rome that, oh. you know, I wasn't ready to fall asleep yet because I was wound up from doing three services typically. And, and mm-hmm. everybody in the family was ready to pass out. And so I just, you know, I stayed up and watched that. And I, Barrett bugged me this year. Did you watch? And I go, yep. I <laughs> set my alarm. I woke up. I'm not being worship anymore, but I, I, I still, I mean, that's Christmas Eve and the bells and the joy and the, yeah, all of that. So, so happy new year. And I hope I didn't ruin your Advent season by sharing some of these things. No, it's okay. It, yeah. I that feel was like a whole lot of information, but it makes it more real and more meaningful. I mean, I grew up on a ranch and I've had to clean out horse trailers. And um, so oh, that muck thing you talked about. 
<laughs> cattle tanks. <laughs> cattle tanks. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I mean, like when, if you're in an, an enclosed area where there's been an animal and they've, uh, there's excrement everywhere. Like, I can't imagine having, giving birth in that area that sometimes the, the air is intolerable and then just the bacteria and the uncleanliness, the like it, that's so dangerous. Like you could get an infection, your child could die. Like there's just so much, so much that's harrowing about that tale when we know what it is. So, so yeah, thank you for, thank you for sharing. Yeah. And for Mary, who did she know? Yes, she did know. (laughs) But as she knew to be there giving birth in that way, wow, you know, very different than even kind of imagining giving birth in the family home like everybody else had and all of that. And it turned into this very different, messy, humbling situation for all of them so yeah well thank you happy happy advent yeah thanks for joining us for a different kind of walk thanks for listening thanks for sharing our episodes and feel free to leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts jeff and i wish you a very merry christmas and happy new year